This is episode 66 of the Rising Man podcast with Jose Alejandro. What is the style of your soul? What's up, Rising Man family? Jetty Azuma here, the host and the creator of this show. Welcome back to the Rising Man podcast. Grateful and honored to bring another amazing man from out there in the world here for you guys today to benefit from his wisdom and his insights and his story, and also to keep stoking the fire of this Rising Man movement. Speaking of which, if you haven't already signed up to be a patron of the Rising Man podcast to support us and to be a part of this inner circle that we have going on called the Rising Man Fire Circles, then stop what you're doing, pause the episode, head over to patreon.com slash rising man because this is your chance to help support us in the podcast and to get access to our inner ring of men inside the Rising Man Fire Circle. This is where men who want to take ideas to action, who want to be held accountable, who want to be seen and supported in their growth are stepping up and stepping in we're about a dozen men strong right now and the crew is growing every single week so our next rising man fire circle call virtual call is coming up it's coming up fast it's going to be april 27th saturday from 3 to 5 p.m pacific standard time but you can join us from wherever you are in the world we've got men from australia canada the u.s we've got guys from all over the globe stepping into the fire so if you guys want to step up, if you want to raise the bar in your life and be held accountable to be the man that you want to be, this is the way to do it. So go sign up today. All right. Without further ado, let me introduce my guest. Jose Alejandro is the founder of The Reflex Media, a marketing agency helping brands connect to the modern man through storytelling, lifestyle, and purpose-driven campaigns. After working in the corporate world for six years with brands both big and small, Jose decided it was time to carve his own path. His goal now is to inspire other modern renaissance men to find freedom through creativity, personal growth, and lifestyle. Jose is a heavy hitter, man. He's also one of my East Coast bros, so I really enjoyed this dialogue. I'm sure you guys will hear that in this conversation. Some of the things we talked about in this interview was what is our unique expression and how do we gift that to the world? We talked about the challenges of being an outsider, not feeling like we really ever fit in in one community or another. We spoke about the fears that arise as soon as we find success in business or relationship, how to make the shift from seeking external validation to cultivating those feelings from within, and invoking respect through a style that complements our energy. Without further ado, Jose Alejandro. All right, Rising Man family, I got my newfound brother, my East Coast brother, bringing out my Jersey accent, Jose Alejandro. What's going on? You're up in Jersey City, right? Yes, sir. Jersey City, Jersey City. Thank you so much Represent, for having me. Super excited, humbled. Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm, hap- I'm even happier that you're from the East Coast, so I feel like there's some, some ties there, uh, even though we never met before officially in Jersey, so I'm excited. <laughs> Likewise, man. And, and for you guys who are listening... My man here, uh, the reason I brought him on here, aside from just being a real down-ass dude, is that he's uh, he's got this unique way of looking at style and self-expression that I think is so valuable and important for us as men to identify what is our what is our unique voice and how do we express that in all the different mediums, whether it's the clothes that you wear, the artwork you put on your bodies, the way that we speak, like you were just talking yeah. about before we hit record. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to, to picking your brain and, and catching that for these guys because I think it's a really important conversation Absolutely. we haven't had here yet. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm excited for that. All right. So let, let's start where we always do, man. You know what's coming. What is the difference <laughs> between a boy and a man? 
Man, I was I was I was waiting for this question and and I was thinking about how I was going to answer it and then I realized that I'm still figuring that out, you know, and I feel like mm. that's as real as I can get with it. Like I don't think that the transition ever ends. I feel like the more I learn about myself and my shadow and the mo- the more I learn about being a boy and what it was that made me take all these actions to get attention, to get love, to get appraisal. And being aware of it now is what makes me a man. So that's kind of where the, where the change, like where I, when I was a boy, I was kind of running away from my shadow, running away from who I was and trying to do things just to receive love. And now mm. as a man, it's kind of like the boy's still there. I still hear that voice sometimes. It's like, you know, I want to be safe. I want to, I want to, you know, stay comfortable. And I hear him, but I'm aware of what my purpose is. And I'm aware that those shadows made me who I am, but they don't define me. And I can rise to the occasion to take those shadows and become a man by improving on them. So I, I don't mm. think the transition ever ends, man. But yeah. 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 Real, real talk, man. And I appreciate the candor yeah. and the realness of your response. And it actually, I have a follow-up question to that. So what were you led to believe that a man was as you, as you were growing up? What was the impression of what a man is that you, that you received? Oh man, I had so many false idols and so many things that I thought defined a man. I always tried to fit in. And I think all the moves from being born and raised in Puerto Rico, moving at 10, and then trying to figure out where I fit and where I belonged. I just was grabbing everything I could, like what I saw on TV, what I saw in the movies, what I saw the guy in school that was getting all the girls, what he was doing. Just this image in my head of it being the most distant thing from the boy that I was. You know, So it, mm-hmm. it, it was like I was escaping the boy I was by just grabbing images of men that looked tough, that looked like they were suave and getting all the girls that looked like they were getting all the attention because of all these material things like money, Mm -hmm. cars. And then I actually went through that phase many times. Like, you know, I spent thousands of dollars on the Honda game. You're from the East Coast. You probably know Uh, about Honda Civic, baby. Got a spoiler on it. Tin it out. Trying to have the (laughs) fastest car. And then I realized I was just trying to be the man and like, impress all the other men and feel like I was at the top of the game in that. And then I was always trying to optimize myself to fit in. So like if a girl dumped me, I would go crazy for a month trying to figure out how I can be better, a better player, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I got my image. And I didn't really, you know, my father's a great father, but I had some trouble receiving guidance on being a man from him. And Mm. he was doing his best with the information that he had and the things that he learned. But he was raised by his grandparents and his grandparents in Puerto Rico, in poverty. You know, they didn't teach him how to groom. They didn't teach him. They didn't check to see if he was doing his homework. They didn't. His his grandfather didn't talk to him about emotions and, and, and being angry and how he should love his. So I didn't see that because he kind of carried over that dysfunction with my mom as well. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to figure it out on my own. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. And and in what you're saying, man, I heard a great distinction. There's a difference between trying to be the man versus trying to be a man. Exactly. And we we, we know what that means. You know, trying to be the man is like everything that we think it means Mm -hmm. to be a man in this world. And then at some point on our journeys, I know that it's happened for me and what you share with me, I can feel this is what happened for you is you recognize that's actually something we create. Yeah. 
something we decide for ourselves. And I, I think that's actually one of the thresholds we cross from boyhood to manhood is who is the man that I want to be? Yeah. Not the man that I'm expected to be or that everybody else wants me to be. Exactly. Exactly. And and I mean, where, where I carried into the most was fashion. Mm. I mean, like I used to literally work to buy outfits for the weekend. So I was mm-hmm. working to buy something to wear for the car meets, for the basement parties, for the new girl I was going to go see. And then most of the time I wouldn't even wear those clothes again. I would just repeatedly buy like over and over things that I felt like would make me, like you said, the man, like I was, I was, you know, I had the freshest kicks. I always had to get a haircut every single week. If not, then it wasn't fly enough to go out. And when it comes to style, I feel like it's tied to that and why I kind of reshaped what I felt like style was instead of it being something that gets me validation from people. It's more of a thing that brings out my self-expression. Yeah. You know, and style is not really just clothes. Like the way I liked my car, the way, you know, the kinds of movies I like, the music, like the, your beats when, when you start your podcast, that's your style, the language and the slang from the East Coast that we talk that's our style. And we really, you know, it's, it's like a form of the soul. It's the soul wanting to express itself. So it grabs mm-hmm. everything that it, it experienced and absorbed throughout your life. And mm-hmm. just when you finally allow the soul to come out, you actually have more style, but you're doing it, you're doing it in ways that, you know, the soul is speaking rather than like the fear of not being accepted by people around you. So yeah, man, the, sty- the style of the soul, that's the ultimate style yeah. that, that we're all trying to get to, right? And but, but before we get into that piece and how you discovered and found that truth on the other side of your experience, I, w- I really want to give all the men who are listening something they can relate to because when you're talking about that, man, seriously, you're giving me flashbacks of the East Coast. I remember how hard it was to get an appointment at the barbershop on a Friday because oh, yeah. everybody's trying to get fresh for the weekend, yeah. right? And, and just, just that whole culture of trying to get right for something something outside of ourselves bef- without without really looking in because we either didn't know that that was a possibility. Yeah. We didn't know that that was a way. We didn't, I didn't even know that there was something to find there no. if I looked within. And so I'm interested to hear how your journey happened because yeah. as, as Jersey boys, like we said, you know, there's it's still not happening a lot out there. Yeah. West Coast, it's easy, man. You walk down the street and you're bound to run into somebody who is open to this type of conversation. Yeah. So how did you find that for yourself? Oh man, where do I start? So I, I was born in Puerto Rico, raised in Puerto Rico, and I had made so many friends, so many experiences there. And then when I was nine, I had to move to the U.S. So I came to Elizabeth, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And that's where I moved to. And it was almost like my identity was ripped away. And even though I was nine, it was kind of like, oh, man, you know, now I have to do stuff to fit in because people were making fun of me for my accent. I could mm-hmm. speak some English because my mom is a teacher, but I, I felt like an outsider. I didn't fit in. I couldn't go back and revisit Puerto Rico whenever I wanted to. I would go in the summers, but you know, for the most part, I had to figure out a way to fit in. So mm-hmm. I, I went through that phase when I moved here. And when I finally started getting adjusted, high school comes through and you know, my mom was a teacher. So she wanted me to go somewhere that wasn't trying to force me to go into like a trade or, or something like that, which is cool as well. But you know, she, she was like, we need to, to get you into another high school. So I applied for another high school, the family friend told us about, and it was a county school. So here I go from, you know, getting used to Elizabeth, New Jersey, Roselle, New Jersey, and getting used to like my friends. And what I would say, like, you know, I, I would 
try to be hood, I would say, because mm-hmm. it, was, it was also the cool thing to be. So then when I go to this high school, kids from a whole bunch of different cultures that I wasn't exposed to with a whole bunch of different backgrounds, talking in different accents and, and slangs, the slang wasn't there. So I felt once again, like I didn't fit. You know, I had one very close friend and we both were from the same town. So we would just isolate ourselves and try to avoid hanging out with anybody else. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end of it, like junior year, senior year, I started mingling with my other classmates in high school a bit more. And that was like an eye opener. So that right away made me realize like, oh man, my friend from back in town they're forcing him to apply to community college and there's so much more opportunity for me. So that's kind of where my thoughts started just going rather than having it pressed on by my parents. It was like my own decision. It was like, Oh man, like there's so much more I could do. There's so much more that I can be. So then that's when after graduating high school, went to college and my mind was set on being an entrepreneur and like mm-hmm. doing corporate for a bit. And then, and then having the experience to be an entrepreneur. So I was doing all these things, like trying to build an app, trying to start like multiple websites and affiliate companies and all this stuff. And none of it was working because I just didn't feel like any of it gave me purpose. What were you doing it for? If it wasn't aligned with purpose, then what, what were you doing it for? That What was your motivator? That's a great question. And it goes back to being the man. Like, yeah, I, I, I felt like entrepreneurs are you know, they're the shit. <laughs> they're, they're the ones that are, you know, making the money. They're making decisions. Alpha men should be either CEOs or, or C execs or running a business, you know? So I had this wrong idea of what it was. And then, you know, throughout that whole time, that, that's kind of like my, my drive to be better from an intellectual perspective. Mm-hmm. But I also started dating my, well, we started dating and last year of high school, so senior year, and I'm still, we're still holding on strong 10 years. So my mm. partner, Sam, she's been by far the biggest influence in my growth. Mm. And we've gone through so many stages together and just seeing her always wanting to grow and elevate herself without really worrying about me in terms of like, you know, she's an individual and she wants to grow. That always like motivated me to also continue growing. You know, I kind of was focused like, all right, I want to be an entrepreneur. So, you know, I, I don't want to be distracted by a whole bunch of women. I love this girl and I love how she motivates me. This is like, you know, it's, but it, again, it was almost like out of fear of losing her. That's, right. that's kind of where it started out. And like, I got to be the man. So I got to be an entrepreneur. So I don't lose her to an entrepreneur. And so I don't mm. lose her to a guy that's more successful. So, you know, there's just stages of that. Then again, in college, I started psychology as my major. And the reason I did that, which is another part of why I got where I got, is my parents kind of had a tox- really toxic relationship. So from the outside, every- everyone thought it was perfect. They've been together for 25 years. And just two years ago, two and a half years ago, they got divorced. So that, obviously leading up to that, had a huge effect on me. Mm-hmm. So two and a half years ago, when they got divorced, I'm in my early 20s. I thought I, you know, I had all the confidence that the man should have. Mm-hmm. I saw their relationship unraveling after I moved out. And it just kind of unraveled a lot of insecurities. Like it brought them out like really intensely. It was kind of like my relationship with Sam was, was going great. But at this time, when I saw my parents' relationship going through that, 
I just like was trying so hard to fix things to make sure that things were okay, going above and beyond and like losing focus on myself as an individual and just trying so hard to keep the relationship together. And that, w- that wasn't working. Obviously that was pushing her away. Right, right. And that's my transition into like, okay, so optimizing myself as a entrepreneur, mm-hmm. as you know, someone who's smart and works hard is not the end of it all. Like I'm not going to become the man I want to be by just focusing on that. There's something missing mm-hmm. that the traumas from my childhood are bringing up and I have not touched these at all. It's time for me to dive in these into these as well. Yeah, man. So let me let me let me ask you a question about that. So I'm starting to see the narrative here and see the build up to the shift and up to this point it sounds like just like a lot of men myself included you were constructing your life and making decisions about your life based on what you thought was going to get you the approval, the the sense of belonging that you were always looking for because that's the most essential human need. And so I'm interested in what what was the thing, if you can identify one thing that actually shifted you out of that mindset and almost 180 degrees to, it's really about my authentic expression, how I want to express myself and what I find to be true versus what everybody else says. Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, I was obviously looking for resources during this time, like trying to find answers. And it's so easy to Google how to be an entrepreneur and like dive into specific, like you want to build a marketing agency. Okay. If you really want to do it, you can put in the work, Google it and, and learn as much as possible and get it done. And I feel like when I first started um, looking for this information, I was finding a lot of useless things like uh, how, to, how to pick up, uh, artist tips and mm, how to like a, for, you know, a formula, right? Yeah. Like a recipe formulas and recipes. And then I, I actually started, I actually decided, I was like, you know what, let me see a therapist. So I actually started speaking to a therapist for about six to seven months. And then just talking about my parents split and talking about traumas from when I was younger and like some emascul- emasculation that, you know, is going on between my mom and my father and a lot of stoic behavior with my father, trying to unravel that. And mm. then I started realizing, hold up, that means that a lot of the stuff that I was doing before, like the weekly haircuts because I wanted to look fresh and the outfits because I wanted my style to be recognized and for me to win best dressed in high school and, and all this stuff. And I realized like, hold up, I never really wanted to wear that. I never really liked that style. I never really did this because I wanted to do it. Some of it, yes, of course, I love hip hop. I love some of the style that I was I was wearing. I loved a lot of the things I was doing, but it was so excessive and so like tasteless sometimes because I was doing it for other people's acceptance. Mm. Even even like some things that I would tell my parents about, it was kind of just to have them be proud of me. And mm-hmm. the switch was when I did all that like diving into my, like who I am and, and what I really want to be and like finding my mission or like um, what uh, I actually want to put out when I actually, I feel like I, my style just evolved and has been way doper than it was before because it's like my authentic self instead of looking in the mirror and saying, oh man, I can't wear this today because even though I like it, it's not, it's not like they're going to think that this, or they're, they're not going to, you know? So I was just like, I'm going to do it. So I started still having that, like I said, 
recognizing the boy. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, the boy kind of doesn't want to be feel like he doesn't fit in or is that, but still going out the way I wanted to. And I actually mm-hmm. started getting more feedback, positive feedback, kind of like, oh man, those are fly. I would love to wear those, but it's not my style. And that's, yeah, that's, I feel like, I feel like this is the movie moment, right? Like this is if if your life was a movie, this is the where everything <laughs> shifted. Like cue the montage. I could nah, see right. I could see you going through your closet and getting rid of all the stuff that doesn't fit right anymore. Oh yeah, dude. So have, have <laughs> paint paint the picture a little bit. Like what what did it look like when you were going through that process? Oh man, so I got rid of a lot of, of a lot of clothes, and then I started just buying some essentials and some like quality pieces that really just fit my style and fit my vibe and communicate my self-expression like this is me I'm here I'm present and I'm not doing it for you I'm not doing it for you I'm doing it for myself and I feel like you know when it comes to tattoos like I got some tattoos that I felt like oh man I can't get these tattoos because you know uh, and so it, it, it was just a whole process like I, I don't feel like it was one specific day where I just threw everything out even though my girlfriend would disagree <laughs> it was kind of like just a transition period where I just actively or I guess intentionally was making decisions that I felt were right. Like, I guess at that moment, the biggest change was me listening to my instinct. Like mm. style wasn't the only thing and my, and fashion wasn't the only thing. Just like, oh, this idea is cool. Instead of overthinking it, let me just do it. You know, mm. This is cool. Let me just do it. And then the more I did that, the more like people, authentic like relationships I started building and the more like the right brands that I wanted to work with started aligning, everything just started coming into place. And, and, you know, it's still a journey. Sometimes I still forget. I forget, like I forget of the growth and sometimes I'm in the moment and, 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 and fear takes over and like doubts if something's going to work or if, if I should wear this or not, but I try to remember by applying all the things that I like started learning after that mm-hmm. position. So. Well, and it's muscle memory too, yeah. you know, we, that our, our conditioning of our ego, which is something that we'll get to talk about here in a minute, the conditioning of the ego that played a certain formula out in order to survive, Yeah, you know, regardless of whether it was, whether it would work for you now, what you did worked for you all the way through yeah. your teenage years, through high school, through early college, you know, it was working. And then that recognition that this isn't working anymore, time to do something different. I can, I can really relate to that too, man. You know, fashion wasn't really my thing. I had a close, a couple of close bros who were really into the fashion. Yeah. I had, they had all the Jordans, you uh-huh. know, and I kind of, I kind of took some of that, you know, the, 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 the runoff of that experience from them and, and tried it on myself, but it was never fashion for me. For me, it was more my identity, Always trying to, like I said before, chameleon, to trying to flex my identity to belong, to, to get people to recognize, oh, this is a cool dude. This is somebody who's, who's nice, you know, wearing a smile. But whether it's the clothes that we're wearing, the tattoos that we have on our bodies, the things that we're saying, the beliefs that we're projecting, it all becomes a mask when it's not authentic. Because yeah. we're, we're wearing things all over ourselves all the time anyway. But whether or not it's by our choosing or by our reactivity is the difference that I'm hearing in your story and that I'm seeing for myself. Yeah, and that's a very good point. You know, Maya Angelou has this, it's one of my favorite quotes. And it, she says, uh, my mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. So <laughs> I, I, I love that quote because it's like, 
exactly what you said, you know, like our identity. So most of the time, the style we create and not, you know, fashion, just all the things that you mentioned, like the everything you do, we pick up and we absorb all these things in order to survive and in order to be accepted throughout our youth. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of is the dark side of the ego because we're, we're kind of doing it for validation and we're creating this identity based on external judgment or external uh, approval, right? And then, mm-hmm. you know, this, this also, but those things can't really be completely removed. Like we're human, so we have an ego. And all those things mm-hmm. like your Jersey, ac- your, your East Coast accent, you know, the, the, the style of clothes that we wear, the music that we listen to, all those things are part of our ego and our identity. And if we just strip away the ones that, you know, didn't really mean much to us and we're done for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. we still have a way that we have, that we still have like the lighter side of the ego that we can mm-hmm. integrate with our mind, body, and soul. Like, like you mentioned, we allow our soul to like be itself and to express itself through the lighter side of the ego, these things that make us individuals and our own self-expression that make us different, you know? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's not to say that manicuring ourselves or wearing nice clothing is necessarily bad. It's whether it's in alignment with the, with the character that we really want to embody and being in tune with that essential character that we really are. Cause everybody's a character. Yeah. We're all characters playing out this story of life on this planet. Exactly. So you can't avoid that, you know, and, and I'm sure there's some Buddhist folks out there who would disagree with, with me. And that's another mm-hmm you know, realm of belief. But I believe that we are all characters and everything down to the way, the clothes that we wear, the shoes that we wear, the cars that we drive is part of our expression. It's whether we're choosing it or not. Because I, in this conversation, I'm remembering a dude, Puerto Rican dude that I met back Uh in New York, who part of his style was he, he had a really thick beard. And it was, it was super manicured, like to a point where he kind of looked like sort of like a devilish elfish character. And I saw him one night and he was, he had these tweezers that he always kept in his pocket and he was plucking his beard and around his mustache. And I was like, dude, is that, and and he kind of, he's a little bit like kind of crazy, at least at that point in time, I thought he was a little crazy, but that was his way of expressing himself was always manicuring his beard and doing it in this way. And that was part of his character, part of his persona. And what I assessed to be something like, dude, that's crazy. Why would you do that? It was really just his own unfettered self-expression mm-hmm. that's what he wanted for himself yeah. that's what he was choosing and so i think i think we're the the real ch- i mean that that is self-expression and i can't speak for him but because i used to do this not the same thing with my beard but i used to like if i went out and i couldn't get a haircut i would shape myself up so i would go into the bathroom and shape myself up and i feel like the change comes from like because i know i was doing it for these reasons like always having his beard in check and on point so that, you know, he could, so he could keep this image to everyone else Mm -hmm. versus like, you know, wanting to groom yourself and feeling confident in your clean beard. But knowing that if, you know, I don't have my shape, perfect example, like my shape up, uh, my, one of my friends started cutting hair and I would go to his garage um, and he would Try it out on. I know where I know where this is going. Yeah. Everybody's got a friend cut my hair story. <laughs> Try it out on us, right? And I, my hairline just was brought all the way, <laughs> to, yeah, to the middle of my head. And you know, I yeah. didn't want to go out. I was like, oh no, I'm not going out. I'm gonna have to wait three weeks till this thing grows back. And I feel like right. the change comes from okay, you don't lose your identity when you don't have these things. Like mm. when when you can't keep your hairline fresh all the time, your beard fresh, or you couldn't 
groom yourself or have all these things that you identify yourself with when they're removed you know that you're still there and i feel like that's the difference and i don't know for him specifically but i know for myself it was kind of like if i wasn't if i didn't have everything tip top shape all the time then and 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 that some one of one of those things went away then i felt like oh this is not me i can't show face i got to hide out until i have it back on point and mm-hmm. yeah that that is that's a big change in going from being a boy to a man in my opinion you know it's like you might mm-hmm. you might look at yourself in the mirror and say oh well shit let me clean up my beard a little bit so i could be presentable but you know you don't feel like that's the only way you could be seen in order to identify as something right right man i, I think like everything else and especially in this conversation it always comes down to intention and purpose you know, and a question that one of my mentors gave me a long time ago is like, you can always ask yourself for the sake of what, for the sake of what am I, do I have to have my shape up right to go out for the sake of what do I have to make sure my beard is done well? Because the answer to that question might be really valid and it might be aligned, you know, for, for I know for me, part of being my best self is feeling confident in how I'm, how I'm presenting, how I'm showing up in my day. You know, I, I'm not on one end of the spectrum of, of always being manicured and always being just right. Yeah. But there is a level of that for me. I think we all have a level of that that is a reflection of our truest self because of, because of what you teach, what you, what you share with the world is what you're presenting to the world is what, what you're teaching people to expect of you, who you're, who I am. This is who I am. If it's genuine and authentic and you're either going to rock with that or not. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, that's where it know. gets fun. That's where it gets you know, things start to become fun because you're just letting your true self out and your soul out. It's like, I'm fly and I feel fly and I don't care if you like it or not. But, but these are <laughs> that, you know, I absorb throughout my life and that I feel like are cool and they make me, you know, me. So uh, mm. it's kind of like um, having the same mission, but two different vocations, you know, like for you or like for someone, it might be like both their missions might be to, to spread equality. Right. But one person did it by protesting and being a great speech writer and, and speaker. And then someone else did it by being a top athlete, like LeBron James, for example, you know, so mm-hmm. those are based on their styles and things that they liked. Like LeBron James plays basketball because it's a sport that was available when he was growing up. And mm-hmm. this other person just maybe was an introvert and wrote a lot and now feels like they have the courage to go out and speak. Those are different styles right there, you know, and, mm-hmm. but their souls are both speaking through their styles. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah. And now you're speaking my language, man, because what you, what you mentioned, I, I follow these guys. I watch, I watch what LeBron James is doing and I'm always looking beneath what what's on the surface, right? Cause there's obviously LeBron James, the athlete, there's LeBron, LeBron James, the entrepreneur, the businessman, the innovator, the social justice leader, the equality man who's out there speaking on behalf, you know, the philanthropist who's, who's starting schools for kids. So there's something about aligning your mission with your style. And how you do that, how you walk in this world, mm-hmm. that's important. Because style is always going to be there. It yeah. sounds like with that, that doesn't go away. Even if your style is wearing a yoga, uh, not <laughs> a yoga, a toga, <laughs> right? Like wearing like like robes, yeah. like monk robes yeah. and walking around in the world like that and doing your mission. That's cool too, man. It's, it's cool too. And I, I like how you mentioned everything that LeBron is doing. Because it seems like, obviously he's an amazing basketball player. But I feel like what, allow, like what brings out 
that truth and all those other aspects of himself. Like he's not one thing. He's so many different things. And it's because he, he aligned his truth to his mission. Like it doesn't stop with basketball. You know, he probably makes a statement by playing basketball and by being great at it and showing his work ethic. But it, it also, he picks these other vocations or things that he can express himself through and make a, the same difference in different through different avenues. Or maybe, you know, like we mentioned, facets of your personality. So like through basketball, he's able to show one part of his identity, his, his truth. And then through the other things, he's able to show something else. Like we're, we're not defined yeah. by one style or one thing. We're just a combination of things that we absorb throughout life. Yeah, man. And a parallel example that reinforces the same concept is... So there's a documentary. I haven't seen it, but a friend told me about it about the Hare Krishna community. Okay. Um, you know the you know the Hare Krishnas yeah. that they're always playing music. They're always in the subway. And, always in the subway, yeah. And they're always chilling together. Like talk about community, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but so so these folks when they first started up their Hare Krishna circle and they wanted to get more attention, more recognition because their mission is to expand their community, yeah. to pull more people into that. So one story that I heard is that they all they shaved their heads, and people thought immediately, oh, this is part of their religion. But behind the scenes, they're like, no, we shaved our heads to get more attention. So that <laughs> when we when we went, I think it was a Beatles concert. They went to a Beatles concert in their Hare Krishna community and they shaved their heads and they were in their garb. And, you know, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, who are these people? And they and they got recognized for the sake of the mission that they were up to. Yeah. And, and they were making a very conscious, deliberate choice yeah, yeah. for how they were dressing and presenting themselves because it aligned with what they were up to in the world. Exactly. So yeah. a lot of different ways to do it. There's there's all and 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 style and clothing is just is just one piece of it. I had a I had a guest on here early back in the show. I think it was episode 7. A guy by the name of Colin Randall, brother of mine. Totally into style. He he does, you know, custom suits and he, we were talking about this very same thing. We were talking about how the style that you that you invoke and that you express is meant to really speak what what is that who is that true you beneath the surface and it, and it does affect how we present in the world and how we show up and and also what people get from us because a well-dressed person walking around new york city versus somebody walking around in their Hare krishna gear is going to get a different reception yeah 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 so Absolutely. so you, so there is some thought you can put into this yeah. when you're clear on the influence and the impact you want to have on people and your relationships it's also interesting uh, i agree 100% like you know you, you can definitely invoke a certain respect that that aligns with with who you are when you bring a style out that that complements it right but then again you know you mentioned someone in the city walking um with a suit on right and that's kind of who i thought was the man and then i started you know as i started meeting more men like that i realized like oh man this this guy is not as you know, it just has no depth the way I, I thought he did. So it's also interesting to see people with these specific styles and actually getting to know them and realizing that, you know, maybe they're focusing so much on one aspect of their style or their, their identity that, you know, maybe there's still boys in men's clothing, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and, and, and that goes with like mind, body, soul. Like when, when I was in high school, college, I thought it was like mind, and body, like I was hitting the gym daily, almost like over exhausting my body just to like get as ripped as possible. And, you know, I have a, a skinny figure, like my, my grandfather, he's, he's like six, four and, and super slim. So I was like trying really hard, just like 
protein shakes and everything to try to gain this weight that my body type yeah. is not even collaborating with. And same thing, you know, I've met like chiseled guys that com- like completely focus their whole energy on the style of their body, you know, maybe tattooing their whole body or, or sculpting their body in the gym. And then their emotional intelligence is like at a different yeah. place. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting, man. Here, here we go. Right. We're, we're exposing some of my dirty secrets. Number one, I'm originally from New Jersey. Number two, I used to be a competitive bodybuilder in college. Oh, shit, my father and so was. I was, there you go. So I was, I was in that world, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm glad that you brought that up because it's not often talked about in authentic self-expression is body image and how we, especially nowadays, right. With Instagram fit, is what I call it now, because there's so many people on there who are actually making a living by sculpting their bodies and asking their bodies to be something and do something that maybe it's not genetically engineered to do. That's, that's a whole nother conversation that can be had is if you're tall and slim, can you own being tall and slim? Can you love your body and and learn how to use your body in the way that it was genetically engineered for Mm -hmm. versus trying to make it into something that it's not trying to be a six foot four Viking when really you're meant to be slim and and climbing trees and, and being flexible and mobile in your body. Yeah, you can optimize your body in your own way. You can optimize, like, it's all about, like, what makes you happy, like, truly happy, like, not trying to be, have a certain body type that you're, you can't, it's almost impossible for you to create, like, what, what do you truly, like, do you want to optimize your body? There's so many ways for you to optimize your body that, that makes sense for you, rather than going up to this extent with, like, so many like supplements that that or, or things that not that those are bad but i'm saying like when you are doing it for external reasons and you're like mm-hmm. putting your body through this this process that you don't even really want to be in and it's it's interesting you mentioned that you were a bodybuilder my father was as well so i was kind of trying to impress him also mm-hmm. you know like i was going to the gym with him i would at, i would beg him to come with me so he could train me and like i was i was trying to get as big as the photos that he showed me when he was flexing at the competitions in his 20s i was like damn i, I can't you know I, I i can't get this big why you know and and we just have different body types so it, it was another great example of my journey where i was just trying to impress my father as well you know and mm-hmm. and when i let that go i kind of just accepted he's the man he is and so much of him has created me but i i wasn't born and raised in puerto rico my whole life the way he was in in the poverty that i didn't get to experience and Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't get neglected by my parents and get raised by my grandparents. I, I, I had a different life, different surroundings, different things that shaped my style and my way of being, my identity. And I have my own way of being a man that, you know, doesn't need my father's approval. Mm-hmm. Doesn't need my mom's approval either because that's something else I was trying to do and, and also translated into me getting girls approvals. Yeah. And I think going all the way back full circle to the beginning, you know, the difference between a boy and a man, you know, I think that's one of the most important thresholds that we cross into manhood is giving up the need to appease or to, to get the approval of our parents. You know, the father and son dynamic is one thing, but the mother and son dynamic also, you know, we look for different types of approval. Our, our, our purpose as children 
is to do what we can to earn the affection of our parents so they'll continue to take care of us because we can't take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it's actually biological. But if we don't grow out of that, then it starts to manifest in our relationships. So now all of a sudden, instead of my mom, I'm trying to please and appease every woman by the way that I dress, by the way that I talk, by the way that I smile, or every man by the way that I stand strong and demonstrate that I'm an alpha and powerful simply so that I can get approval and I can belong. But we got to let that go. Like you said, when we become adults, when we choose to step into manhood, because playing that game is exhausting. Getting the haircut every week is exhausting. Working out at the gym, overworking out at the gym is exhausting. And and it's depleting. It's not, it's not healthy for our physical, mental bodies, but also our spiritual bodies either. It's not, you know, you made a very good point. Like going back to my parents' relationship, you know, they got divorced two years ago, two, two and a half, three years ago. And now they're like, I've, my relationship with them has grown so much because they're, Mm. I had this idea of who they were and I was Mm. trying to please that idea of who they were. So like, you know, they were always upset with each other. There was a lot of anxiety. I was trying to like keep things together and trying Mm. to not be on the receiving end of their anxiety, of their, their anger, all of that. And now that they're divorced and they're individuals and they kind of like are focusing more on themselves, it's kind of like, oh man, I never had to, I never, I never had to like prove myself in these ways to them. Like um, they're, 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 they're just people, like they're individuals just like me. They're figuring it out and they got caught in this relationship that maybe wasn't meant to be for them. They didn't, or maybe, you know, they didn't have the tools to figure things out and and I was just trying to appease to that. And, and it's so interesting, like seeing yeah. that unravel and change yeah. at my age. It's an important thing to spotlight uh, for the parents out there, too, is it's so important for parents as adults to, to, let, to take care of ourselves, you know, in, in all of our relationships, our physical body, our mental body, our spiritual body, because that's what children will do. Children are so empathic and intuitive that they'll try to make everything right. Yeah. And it's the mission. I, you know, I've got a three and a half year old boy. I see him do it all the time. You know, if, if, if he doesn't sense that we're good, he'll try to do something to make it better. And that, that shouldn't be what he has to do. The children shouldn't have to take care of the parents like that, but they'll do it. They'll do it naturally. And it doesn't make any of us wrong, but I think it's an important thing to recognize, you know, from your story that kids take this stuff on. We do become products of our environment. And so if there's another thing we can do as adults, whether you have your own children or not, because it doesn't have to be your biological kid, but the kids that you're around, they don't feel that you're right. They will do something. They will shift themselves to try and make their environments feel safe yeah. for them. So that's, that's one of the things that I kind of started identifying with and, and learning about myself is that I would, because of that kind of turmoil that was going on in my household. And it wasn't, you know, I, I at that time I felt like I was special and that I, I was, why am I the only one that has this going on in my house? And now I realize like there's people that, that have gone through way worse childhood experiences mm-hmm. than I have. But one thing that I would do is like you mentioned, I would try to fix and I would also try to make myself small. So like mm-hmm. in order to avoid getting lashed out at for being in the middle of that situation, I would just make myself small. And, and, you know, at that time, I think there, there, there was a lot of, I don't want to go into too much detail, but there was a lot of like, you know, there was a screen that they were going through and they, 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 they needed to go through some individual growth as well that I now see they, they've gone through. Like you mentioned, they weren't taking care of themselves. So mm-hmm. my mom would emasculate my father 
and my father would be a stoic and completely resent my mom, but without showing or communicating that. So I kind of mirrored that. Mm-hmm. And I started sort of seeing that in my relationship with Sam, where it was kind of like, I wasn't speaking my truth all the time because I was avoiding conflict. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't embracing my masculinity because I felt like, you know, when my father did that, it wasn't working out for him with my mom on my mom's mm-hmm. side. And then Now I realized that my mom was just doing her best because she got the, I guess, I don't like to use toxic masculinity, but she got the bad end of masculinity from her father who didn't want her to go to college. They didn't want her to, Mm -hmm. all these things. So she kind of grew up with that, that reversed, like angry, and now she admits it. And, And now my father also admits his wrongdoings. And it just showed me like, we're individuals and like, the only way for me to improve my relationship with my girlfriend, to improve my relationship with my friends, to improve my life is to work on myself mm. and my individual issues and my own, take, just take care, self-care, like myself, instead of trying to fix everything the way I used to, which would just end up blowing up in my face. So what you said about taking yeah. care of yourself is so important. And I feel like it's the key to everything, like worrying about mm. yourself and selfishly like living a life so you can all like living a good life so you could altruistically give that to everyone else because if your cup isn't full you can't give it to anyone so right and that was the piece that was missing you know for me i i grew up on the east coast my my mom came from an italian family my dad came from a japanese family and in their different ways it was always about make it about everybody else without taking care of yourself and if there was that one added little droplet of take care of yourself first so that I can take care of everyone else around me, it would have shifted everything. But again, like you said, you know, our parents do the best that they can and they come from the cultures they come from. So I want to, before we start to wrap it up here, because I know that we we can go on forever, (laughs) but but there's something, I, I don't have a lot of guys coming on here from the East Coast, haven't had a lot of East Coast guests. And I'd like for you to use this and think of this as a platform to speak to our East Coast brothers out there. Because East Coast culture, West Coast culture is like two different worlds. And I've gotten to experience them both. And I know that on the East Coast, in my opinion, there's still a lot of men who are not tapping into their authentic selves, not really tapping into what is true for them. And not that it doesn't exist out here in in California, but there, there is a deeper rooted sense of don't show what's really going on beneath the surface on the East Coast. So what would be your message, as simply as you could put it, to the men who are growing up in this East Coast culture that you and I both experience. That's a great question. And like you said, you know, the East Coast. And I want you to really go for it, man. Like really go, say what you need to say. <laughs> like I, you know, on the East Coast, like like New York City, you know, you've worked there, you've, been, you've lived here. It's almost like all about the head, like mm. what you value, things like that. Nothing, there's not a lot of heart-led like leadership and heart-led men, I feel like. I'm sure there's a lot, but like, like you mentioned, it's not as a conscious, we're not as conscious on the East Coast about this stuff as much as on the West Coast. And I would say like to, you know, since I'm speaking to guys in the East Coast, I would say definitely embrace your story, embrace your story and own it and look into your shadow and work off of that because that makes you more masculine. That makes you more, that makes you stronger. That makes you more confident rather than putting all these bricks and layers on top of ourselves to give off a sense of confidence and masculinity, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. I think it all starts with accepting your story and looking into why you're doing things you're doing. You know, like for me, it all started with 
like actually becoming aware of my thoughts and my emotions and what was causing them before I even started addressing them and making a change. It was kind of like, oh, I'm thinking this. Oh, this emotion came up. And I felt with the East Coast being so fast paced, we're always just thinking about what's next. What do we have to do? Let's take action, take action, which we do have to do. And I think as men, we always have to take action, but Mm -hmm. we don't slow down in our present with our thoughts and our emotions. And I feel like that's where it all Mm -hmm. starts. It's like, why am I doing this? Am I getting this job in the corporate world and and trying to work for a corner office in New York City in order Mm -hmm. to be recognized as the man, in order to feel like I've made it in life? Am I doing all these things just to, to create a facade of what we think is a man and we won't know what a man truly is unless we start looking within and looking at the cracks that are there so yeah yeah man i love that it's really well said and i think that would something that'll be really confronting for a lot of guys listening to this i know it would have been for me when i was 23 years old living in new york city i would have heard that and been like what the fuck is he talking about (laughs) man but you know in addition to that i would also layer onto it one of the things i've come to learn is that you can't rob anybody of their hard lessons because our hard lessons are what help us un- reveal and unveil that identity that's beneath the surface. So not not wanting anybody to skip through the hard lessons, but for those guys out there who are trying to be something because they think it's going to bring success, uh, women, popularity, approval, etc. When you finally recognize that that's not working for you, when you've tried that over and over and over again, get the same result and, and get to the top of that ladder and see what what's really going on on the, on the rooftop level, and you're like, this ain't it, give yourself permission to take a risk. Mm-hmm. Give yourself permission to step out, to say, well, what if I did something completely different? What if I did something radical? What if I did something that my mother, my father, my family, my coworkers, my boss would completely disapprove of or, ha- or think that I went batshit crazy? Mm-hmm. Because if there's that level of truth in there, at least explore it. At least explore it and see what's there. Because if it's not the thing, it'll lead you to the next thing. And I know that that's what that's what I found to be true for me. And that's what I that's what I intend for my East Coasters is that you guys, you know, explore a little bit more Mm because it is so fast paced. There is so much going on. And and before you know it, you can blink and and you have a family and you're middle aged. And then you realize, oh, this wasn't it. Yeah. I missed it. I missed the train. I took the wrong train. I love that. And I think you uh, hit the nail on the head. It's like explore. Because I, I feel like even when we accomplish something, you know, we, we try so hard and, and we go, 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 go. And we need that hard lesson. Like even if we know mm. all the things are true, like th- this might not satisfy me the way I want to. This We almost have to see it before we like realize like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> um, so like the most important thing is exploring like we're, we're never always right we're just a little less wrong so in order for you to find out what you really like what your truth is really trying to speak you just have to explore try different things and be yeah. willing to take a risk you know like on the east coast i think we always try to do what's expected of us and there's like this kind of like roadmap what and then when someone wants to go rogue and do their own thing we think of the west coast like i'm moving to to la and like doing my own thing and on the east coast it's almost like you know you have to go to college get a job in new york city that's like you need a, a short commute to the city to be able to grind it out and and i feel like there's more to that, you know, and if you explore, Mm. you can find things that will actually make you more successful. Like there's more 
growth that I've come across in my life by just exploring things that maybe before was like, yeah, this is allowing it to, to breathe through me. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you will see what comes out of it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And we don't yeah, have and, to, and I was, I, to do it. <laughs> that's it. You don't have to, you could, but you don't have yeah, to. Yeah. And, and I'll always say this, man, just to kind of cap that off that, uh, a reminder that, that it's, it is a worthy journey to, to have your sight set on, buying a house across the river so that you can commute into the city and take care of your family mm-hmm. and raise your kids in it a good is. way. And if that's, if that's what you identify your purpose to be, then go for it, brother. All, all the love and support to 100%. you, but don't wait until you're on your deathbed or until it's till, till you're way farther ahead in life where you don't have the energy, you don't have the enthusiasm or the drive to start asking the question, what is it really about for me? Yeah. Or don't wait for retirement thing. age to, to, to figure it out. Like you mentioned, like when you don't have yeah. any more energy, I love that. Love that. Yeah. Awesome, man. Cool. That's a nice little bow to put on this episode, but you know, I'm going to ask you some lightning questions at the end. So are you you ready for it? I'm ready. All right. So what's one thing you learned in your life that you wish you knew when you were 18? Oh man, that my story, that your story is your power. Mm -hmm. Everything's going to be okay. Like you don't have to resent or run away from the experiences and the things that you've gone through. If anything, they make you an individual that no one else can. You're your unique person. So everything's going to be okay. The power, your, your, your power is in your story. Just accept it and, and use it for, you know, your truth. Mm, beautiful, man. And, and what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? I think integrity. And that word is so important to me. And I didn't understand it too well before until I really started to understand who I am, regardless of any external validation or approval. And I feel like when you are have integrity, so many other values fall into that bucket. Like once I started being true to myself, it was almost like the value of passion, of purpose, of courage, all those stuff, all those other values were like, okay, because of my integrity, this also needs to align this also needs to show light. This also needs to be worked on because I feel like our true selves just want to be happy and inspire others and and live in its truth without the fear of being outcasted. Or So integrity, man. Integrity. Awesome. Very important. Awesome, man. All right. I got one more for you. All right. What is the best spot to get authentic Puerto Rican food west side of the Hudson? Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's a good question. <laughs> West side of the Hudson. So Jersey city, uh, Jersey city, let's go Jersey city. There's, there's a spot on central Ave. It's walking distance from me. It's called El Sabroso. El Sabroso. Um, okay. Make sure you check it out. Yeah. It's really good. I, you know, when I first moved to Jersey city, I tried out almost like five different Dominican spots, five different Puerto Rican spots, literally like day after day. We were on a mission, Sam and I, just trying to figure out <laughs> which one was the best. And obviously, so I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Like my grandmother's cooking is the best restaurant. But I thought that's what you were going to say. You're going to say my grandma's kitchen. <laughs> well, she, lives, she lives in Puerto Rico. So, All right. Well, there you go. Yeah, so that's it. So, so <laughs> it's, it's far from the west side of the Hudson, but uh-huh. I think also check that out. Sure. All right, cool, man. Next time I'm on the East Coast, man, I'll check that out. I'll check you out. Maybe we'll have we'll eat, we'll oh, eat yeah. dinner there I'll together. I'll some uh, <laughs> arroz con andules and, and oh yeah, pernil or whatever you know, whatever flows, whatever your style of food is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
Awesome, my bro. Well, then really the last question I have is for the people out there who don't know you yet, how can they follow you? How can they get in your atmosphere and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, so I'm really active on Instagram. So you can follow me at rjose underscore Alejandro. And if you want to see the projects and the the purpose-driven brand campaigns that we're working on, definitely check out Reflex Media. So that's at the underscore Reflex underscore Media. We're doing some great stuff on there and some amazing brands that have a great story. So definitely check that out. Awesome, my man. Well, listen, dude, it was, I enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. I really did, man. I always love talking to the East Coast brothers out there, man, and really appreciate the wisdom and the energy and the truth that you brought to this conversation. I think it's going to be really value, valuable for men all over the world. And, and hopefully we can get our East Coast brethren on board with this. Listen, I, I really appreciate like you having me super humbled and we're just learning. Like I, I learned so much just from speaking with you. So I'm truly humbled for being invited on this podcast and I'm sure we'll rock out sometime in the future again. That's it. Yeah. We'll have to have another exchange of wisdom somewhere down the road. <laughs> yeah. All right, my brother. Take care, man. Man, I really enjoyed this conversation. I haven't spoken to another man about style since way back. I think it was episode six or seven where I had Colin Randall on the show, my brother who's out there. Big props to you, Colin, as well. But this conversation about style and self-expression as a means for, as a compliment to living our gift and living our mission in this world, you know, kind of wearing the costume to match the superhero is a really cool concept. And I really liked Jose's angle on this and also his transparency that he's still discovering and finding his way because that's really what we're all doing we're just at different stages of the same game so hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as I did I look forward to seeing you guys on the next Rising Man Fire Circle call coming up fast April 27th from 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time you can become a part of the Rising Man Fire Circles by joining us by going over to patreon.com slash rising man signing up for just $33 a month you get access to me my power our team, my crew, and a community of over a dozen men who are stepping in and raising the bar in their own lives. So don't hesitate. Join us now. As always, check out the show notes for links and resources at therisingmanpodcast.com. Please subscribe and follow us on the podcast app of your choice. Leave us a review, a comment, a five-star rating if you believe we deserve it with your biggest takeaways from each and every episode. Your feedback really helps a lot. It really helps to steer the conversations that we're having and shape the dialogue of The Rising Man. So please continue to do that. It really means a lot. And every time we get messages from you guys, I don't mention this enough, but I get a lot of personal messages from men all over the world who've been listening to the show. Some men that I know and some men that I've never heard of before that tell me that they're being impacted in some way or another from what we're doing here. So those messages mean a lot. So keep them coming. It really helps fuel the fire and stoke the flames. And make sure you also check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Podcasts, where my man Rowan Tyne has been putting up those sound bites, those images, and giving you a taste of each episode. Share them up with your community so that we can spread the word about the Rising Man. Shout out to Sean Offenbach at Infinite Melodics. That's at Infinite M E L O D I X on Instagram. Sean doing his thing, really stepping up in the world. You guys better watch out because a year from now, you guys are all going to be saying, dang, I wish I had Sean on my team back when he first got going. <laughs> so, so make sure you guys give him a follow right now because he's stepping up and doing some big, big things. And the rest of my Rising Man Power team, Julian Subic, Mark Rose, every one of you guys, so grateful for everything you guys do, big and small and behind the scenes, the seen and the unseen, where would I be without y'all? And for everybody listening, until next time, rise up and claim your destiny. <laughs>